Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show. And we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. I came across a post from Instagram, right? And in this post, I believe it was shared by, it was by the Bleach Report, Bleach Report, right? So they put up a post. Now, as you guys know, Dwayne Wade is getting ready to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I think he's tapped Allen Iverson to be the person to induct him into the Hall. Now, what do we know about Dwayne Wade? Dwayne Wade was drafted by Miami Heat, by the Miami Heat. Uh, when he got there, I believe he was the fifth pick. And when he got there, you could tell that Dwayne Wade had a chip on his shoulder. Because during that draft class, it had Carmelo Anthony, it had LeBron James. No one was really paying any attention to Dwayne Wade. And I think Dwayne Wade took that as a slight. And he made it his objective to go out there and absolutely dominate. Uh, what is it? His... Um, his first year in the NBA. And when he did that, um, he was absolutely sensational. Dwayne Wade, as a matter of fact, him and Carmelo Anthony, when you compare that trio, that famous 2003 uh, draft class, him and Carmelo Anthony were, were actually the first two players in terms of that trio that actually hit the ground running. And they were actually winning games because Dwayne Wade really know how to win games. He was clutch. He was electrifying. And his first year in the NBA, he averaged 16.2 points per game while getting you 1.4 steals, uh, 4.5 assists, and four rebounds a game. That was in his first season. Within what? One, two, three, four, five, six seasons. No, excuse me. Within three seasons, he had already won the championship. Dwayne Wade. His second year with Miami, he averaged 24 points a game. Think about it. His scoring average went up by eight points. Second year, he got 1.1 blocks per game from point six. And Dwayne Wade leads all guards for blocks in all, uh, all time. He got 1.6 steals per game. He got 6.8 rebounds. And the season after that, he was averaging 27, 1.9 steals, 0.8 in blocks as a guard, getting you 6.7 assists. 5.7 rebounds and it was just it was just an uptick from there right and he was absolutely sensational then he went to the finals and that year during the playoffs when he won the championship in his third season in the nba Dwayne wade averaged 28 points per game 28.4 points per game 1.1 blocks per game 2.2 steals per game with 5.7 rebounds 5.9 assists 80 percent shooting from the free throw line 37.8% shooting from the three, and he shot 49.7% from the field for the entire playoffs. And that's when they and that's when they started calling it Wade County, right? So he played the vast majority of his career with the Miami Heat. I think he played what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. The first 15 years of Dwayne Wade's career, if I'm doing this numbers correctly, he was a Miami Heat. Now, why are we bringing this up? As I mentioned before, uh, he's going to be, you know, they're going to be inducting him. So in this post that I saw, it had a quote on the image. And the image, it read, Dwayne Wade is the greatest player that ever played for the Heat. And that's not an insult to LeBron James. The moment I heard that, I actually put up a poll on the channel that we're going to get to a little bit later. But then I came across an article from SI Fan Nation that I want to quickly read. It says, Pat Riley calls Dwayne Wade the greatest player in Miami Heat history. Continues on. Miami Heat legend Dwayne Wade will be inducted into the Hall of Fame Saturday night. Many have praised Wade, including President Pat Riley, who was the coach in the franchise's first championship. As a Heat player, Dwayne Wade is the, is the greatest player to ever put on a uniform, Riley said. Over the body of work over 17 years here in Miami, Dwayne's the greatest player who ever played for the Heat, Riley said. And that's not an insult to LeBron James. So, when we heard that news, we put up a poll on our channel. And the poll read, do you agree with Pat Riley saying Dwayne Wade is the greatest player to play for the Heat? In about 13 hours, and it's dependent on when you see this particular show here, that poll generated about 13,000 votes. Of the 13,000 voters... 79% of them said yes. And then I started going through the comments and then it became a no-brainer. Most people were like, why is this even a question? How is this even so? What are we even discussing here, right? What do you mean by this? What do you mean by that? And to me, I had a bit of a mixed reaction for a few reasons. Number one, though, I'm happy that Dwayne Wade is getting his proper respect because Dwayne Wade was one of the coldest NBA players of all time one of the top four guards in NBA history, Dwayne Wade is. You got Michael Jordan, you got Kobe Bryant, you got Jerry West, and you got Dwayne Wade. Some people got Dwayne Wade three all time behind Kobe and Jordan. Dwayne Wade was that bad of a boy. He was a problem for anybody playing in the NBA. Go look at his numbers. Go look at his games. Go look at his highlights. Dwayne Wade was an absolute monster. So I'm happy that Dwayne Wade is, pro is finally getting some proper respect. But back to Pat Riley's quote. I had to think about it, right? I had to think about it. Not initially, initially when he said it, I said, is Dwayne Wade the greatest player like that's a heat player. I said, yes, but LeBron James is too a hell of a player. LeBron James is ranked higher than, Le uh, than Dwayne Wade all time. Le LeBron James is the better overall player. But then as I started going back through the numbers and also looking at his tenure, looking at his tenure, I think Pat Riley's on the money. I think he's on the money. Because if you look at the amount of time he played for the organization, you look at the numbers that he put up, you look at the championship that he won as a solo star, you factor all those things together, I think he's on the money. And if you look at LeBron, for example, and you look at him with the Cleveland Cavaliers, 
And you look at all of the years he spent in a championship that he won. Now imagine if they brought a Michael Jordan to play with LeBron and that LeBron, that Jordan, the Jordan wins two championships and two finals MVPs, but he's only there for about four years. Are we going to say that Michael Jordan was the greatest player to ever play for that? Or are we going to say LeBron because of the body of work that he has with that team? And I think that's probably what Pat Riley was, was, was saying there. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. I was here minding my business, doing my work, looking forward to talk about today. I then come across an article from fadeawayworld.net. And in this article, I just read the headline and I was like, okay, I already know this is about to be some BS. The headline says, Rajon Rondo, uh, what it takes to beat LeBron James in the playoffs. And I said, okay, there's going to be some serious twerking going on here, folks. Serious, serious twerking because no one twerks as much for LeBron than people in the media. Nobody does it as much. So I said, okay, we're going to be in for it. Now, why did I say that? You see, the reason I said that is is, 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 is simply this. There's this uh, uh, reputation that LeBron has, which is the following. LeBron is the only player that's been able to take teams that are subpar with subpar rosters and take them to the promised land, which is to the NBA championship round. No one can make his teammates better than LeBron. Now, let me just quickly say this. Can LeBron make his guys better? Yes. This is not a this is not like he can actually do that. The thing is this, though. He can only do that to a certain group of players with a certain skill set, which I'll allude to, we'll get to a little bit later. But LeBron can do this. But the myth has always been he's the only one. I mean, you give him, you know, three janitors, two chefs, and, you know, and 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 and, and somebody that sweeps the floor, and he's taking them to the NBA chain. This has always been the thing. And a lot of his supporters run around spewing this, this nonsense all over the internet for us to come and for us to come and uh, observe, right? A lot of them say, oh, well, huh, well huh, who else could do it? Forgetting the fact that when LeBron was playing the majority of his career, he was playing in that garbage-ass Eastern, Eastern Conference that the majority of his fans don't even, are not even old enough to even know. They just think, oh, my God, this guy got the nine, five, 10 finals. How the hell did he do it? How the hell did he do it? Not knowing the context of what happened. So then I went through this article to hear what he had to say. And I just could not believe that a competitor of LeBron James and Rajon Rondo was saying this. So let me get into this article here. It says, Rajon Rondo is one of those players who has seen LeBron James James up close as an opponent and as a teammate. And in one of his interviews, he uh, had a comprehensive explanation of how a team could stop LeBron James in the playoffs. Speaking to J.J. Ruddick on first take, the two-time NBA champion, champion elaborated on how James was a force in the postseason whilst also giving his props to the league's leading scorer. He says, that's a tough question. It takes a lot of talented players around you, a team willing to sacrifice, understanding that one guy, understanding that one guy they can't stop. LeBron will take five guys on the floor, the coaching staff, the water boy, everybody. He's definitely a tough force. To, to get a stop with, he does. He makes his teammates better. He's a great teammate. He he plays unselfishly. Look at the game now. He went in Boston and gave us 45. You know what we thought when he had the series under our when we had that series under our belt? 
He came in with a different mindset. He put his team on his back and got the job done. He gets it done in so many different ways. It's tough to beat a guy like LeBron. But obviously, he's beatable. But it takes a lot of sacrifice. So, Rajon Rondo said some things that are true. And he said some things that are, that are not true. Okay, folks. Let's get into this here. Simple question for the people that graduated, uh, that, that finished fifth grade. If LeBron James is so difficult to beat in the playoffs, why does he lead the NBA with the all-time record of 100 losses? Do you know this? That of any player that's played 19 plus years, he leads the playoffs with 100 losses. Help me understand this. The fact of the matter is this. LeBron was beating teams in an extremely, extremely weak Eastern Conference. When LeBron James was playing in the NBA, the NBA was dominated by Western Conference teams. Western Conference teams dominated the league. Let me give you guys some data because LeBron fans love data. From 1999 to, 2000, to 2023, that's 24 championships. 24 teams have been crowned champions. Of those 24 teams, do you know how many of those teams came out of the Western Conference? 17. Let me repeat that number once more. Of the 24 teams that have won the championship, 17 of them came from the West, not the East. The East was always known as the least, the weakest. It was a joke. It's one of the reasons why you could have teams that didn't even win 40 games make it into the playoffs. Did y'all know that? Did you know that there were 500 teams make it into the playoffs? Did you know that the year when Kobe was playing from 2008 to 2009, you needed at least a 50 win record to even make it to the eighth seed? Hope y'all know that. While you over there twerking it up with your box of honey on top of your chest. I hope y'all know that. Let me give you guys some more information here. From the year LeBron was drafted in 2003 to 2023. 12 of those championships were won by Western Conference teams, including his championship that he won in 2020. The other eight teams came from the East. Now, here's a kicker. Of the eight teams that won the championships in the East, there were four super teams. Guess what? LeBron was a part of three of them. There were four super teams or four Time four teams that were super teams and one he was on three of them. Some people ask, well, what are these three? What are the three super teams? One was the Boston Celtics with Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Paul. Unless they're not a super team now, because it works against the narrative. They were a super team. Who were the other three? Two of them were the Miami Heat, and the other one was the Cle- was the Cleveland was the Cleveland Cavaliers team. That was the third super team. Now, some people are going to be saying LeBron James was never on a a super team in Cleveland. That's not what Nick Wright told me. That's not what Kendrick Perkins told me. That's not what Stephen A. Smith told me. That's not what Shannon Sharp told me. That's not what the media told me. LeBron was always on garbage teams. He was always the underdog in those series. 
How could he be? A, how could he have been in a super team? He was always an underdog. It's just that his greatness made it look like it, his teams were good. But the fact of the matter is, LeBron's teams were garbage. How can you be up here saying this to me? What are you trying to do? You're nothing but a LeBron James hater. You need LeBron James to get views is why you're doing this. It's why you're doing this. The rent needs to be paid. The rent needs to be paid. Ask Nick Wright if he would even have a career. If the first words that came out of his mouth on live television were not that stupid, idiotic comment he made about LeBron passing in 2016, passing Michael Jordan. Would Nick Wright, would we even be talking about Nick Wright today had he not said that stupidity? Y'all let me know. Now, there's some very surprising and disturbing information I want to share with you guys about this whole thing about you need you need to get Zeus and you need to get Captain America and Iron Man and Batman to beat LeBron in, in, in the playoffs. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. What prompted this show? I was researching that topic, and then as I was researching it, I started thinking about it, and I said to myself, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to think about this thing a little bit further because it seems like there's some truth about this. What am I talking about? Rajon Rondo recently, or I recently read an article, excuse me, uh, from, what is it, Fadeaway World? No, not Fadeaway, yeah, from FadeawayWorld.net. And they were basically highlighting some comments that Rajon Rondo made, who was someone that has played against LeBron and played with LeBron, um, talking about the difficulty of beating LeBron James and what it takes to beat him and how, how hard it is to beat LeBron James. And it made me begin to think, I'm like, hold up, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me let me spend some time going through these numbers. And by the way, before I even start, today we have some mathematicians in the audience. These are LeBron fans that count how many videos uh, we produce today. So I'm sure they're going to be counting one, two, three, four LeBron James videos today. Man, you, re you really need them. You, you really need them to pay the rent. So I got a question for you guys, because there are some LeBron, fan LeBron James fans out there. And since LeBron is such the cheat code to be successful on YouTube. How come many of your bum asses have channels that are growing, but you talk about LeBron all the time? Let's address the elephant in the room. If you need LeBron James to grow your channel, why are your dusty asses not growing then? I look around, I see y'all channel playing Sesame Street music and, and Home Alone music and all of this nonsense. What happened? What's it's not working out? What? I thought it was always a cheat code. What happened, bro? What happened? If you're trash, you could talk about anything and you're still not going to get views. If you like, start talking about Donald Trump. You're still not going to get views if you're trash. That's the fact of the matter, folks. Let's continue on with the show because we got the pocket watchers in the back telling me, well, you need LeBron to make one little Shannon Sharp and all them guys that finish making money off of Michael Jordan's name by putting up them comparison videos. When they give back Jordan those tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars they made off of his name, then I'll consider taking you Joker seriously in the comment section. Anyway, let me get into this topic here. So I started to think about this and I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me go back and look at some of the numbers of things that, that took place in the past. So I did this. I put up a poll on the channel about an hour or so ago. People think I just be posting polls because I'm, I'm up here bored. I actually did that for a reason. And the poll asked, I asked the question, looking back, were the Cavs 
underdogs to the Warriors in the 2017 NBA Finals. That was what I said. Of the 1,500 people that have voted in the first hour, make sure you go vote. 77% of the people said yes. That the Cleveland Cavaliers were the underdogs in that series versus the Golden State Warriors. And it really made me begin to think about the impact and the role that the media plays in all of this. You see, the media has done such an amazing job of frying the brains of NBA fans that follow this type of stuff to the point where NBA fans are actually running around misquoting information. Their understanding of the facts is completely warped, completely warped. So I started to research that particular year. I started to research that particular year and the information I discovered was absolutely shocking to me. Absolutely shocking to me. Now, some of you guys are saying, what information did you discover? Let me get into some of the facts for you guys. Here are the facts. According to the research, and I looked at that 2017 NBA final stats between the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers, according to voters and according to what a lot of people think out there, the Cavs were like they were massive underdogs in that series. But here are the facts. That's not actually true. They're not. They were not the underdogs. It's just another narrative that these clowns have been pushing as a way to make excuses. And I'm going to give you guys the cold hard facts. Let's look at some things here. The trio of the Cleveland Cavaliers consisted of LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving. I think you would say those are great players, right? Kevin Love, a 26 and 12 guy before he got to the Cavs, before he was relegated to be a spot up jump shooter. Yeah, that Kevin Love was a hell of a player, right? Kyrie Irving, is anybody arguing against the fact that Kyrie Irving is a sensational player? Well, no. Let me give you guys some stats for the team that was the woeful underdogs. The LeBron James trio of, K of Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, and LeBron. Let me tell you guys what they averaged that series, those three guys. They averaged 79 points per game. Do you know what the trio of the Golden State Warriors averaged with, Ke with Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and Klay Thompson? They averaged 78.4 points per game, that trio. Let's look at rebounds. How many rebounds did the Cavs trio average? They averaged 27.2 rebounds per game. What did the Golden State Warriors trio average? They averaged 21 rebounds a game. Let's look at assists per game. The Cavs trio averaged 15.4 assists per game. The Golden State Warriors uh, team averaged uh, what is it? Um, um, assists per game. What three? Uh, seventeen assists per game. And when it came to steals, the Cavs averaged four point six steals per game to the Warriors three point six. So how were the how, how? Help me understand something. If the trio of the Cleveland Cavaliers were actually producing at a much higher level, how could they have been woefully underdogs? Why has the media never given us this information before? Why are all of the journalists that Stephen A. Smith props up and I guess us guys that are too stupid to be able to use Google and read a book and do some research, we're clearly too stupid to do that because he must have went to MIT to be able to research information on the internet. Apparently, we don't have the wherewithal to do simple research. Why weren't we educated on this information? 
us novices out here, us pretenders, us jokers, us people that can't even read and write. Why were we able to figure this information out? Why didn't you give us this information? Why is it coming down to the fact that if I didn't do this information and many others have, how is this, how is this the only way that this information is being disseminated to the public? You help me understand this. Why isn't this information? I thought you guys were supposed to give the fans a clear picture or are you guys just up there to give you give, give fans a narrative? The fact of the matter is this, the big three of the Cavs average more points than the big three of the Warriors. That is a fact. And it's a bit of information that has never been shared. The trio of the Cavs led them in points, rebounds, and steals and lost in five bloody games help me understand who was the best player in that series was it not lebron james no 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 i'm gonna give you guys that who was the best player in the series say it with your chest it was lebron james so how can the best player on the series with another guy averaging damn near 27 a game and another guy putting up those numbers how are they massive underdog who are they going up against Huh? Who are they playing? The Darth Vader and, and, and Thanos? Who were they facing in the finals? Help me get it right. Unless you're going to tell me Draymond Green was the difference. He was the one that really, really made it unfair. Well, you would look like an absolute bozo if you tried to do that, which a lot of people have tried. Let me give you guys a re let me give you guys some information here when you got a real when you got a real top three guy on your team. Not a phony top three guy. And I meant that. I'm going to say it again. Let me give you guys the information where you got a real top three guy on your team, not a phony top three guy. Let me tell you what Kobe Bryant did. You know, Mr. Inefficient. Because y'all telling me about efficiency. What did all that efficiency get you but a bunch of hot L's coming out the oven? Help me figure it out. Oh, he's so efficient. He's so efficient. And what is it leading me to but a bunch of L's being slapped across my back, beating me with L's? Help me figure it out. What did it all amount to? A bunch of stat padding, useless stats that all lead to losing. Help me figure it out. I thought the objective was to win. Nah, that ain't the objective, son. What's wrong with you? The objective is to win when we're talking about players that are less. When we're talking about players that are on the same par or above, nah, it ain't, it ain't winning, man. How you gonna be discussing winning with me, a dog? Come on, doggy. Let me give you guys some information about Kobe. In the 2000 NBA uh, 2008 NBA Finals. The Celtics had a big three. Three top 75 guys. Don't play with me. Three top 75 guys. No fringe guys. Ray Allen is a top 75 guy. Kevin Garnett is a top 75 guy. Paul Pierce is a top 75 guy. Let me give you guys that trio's averages. That trio averaged 60 points a game in a lower scoring era, obviously. 22.5 rebounds a game, 11.8 steals per game. Uh, uh, um, um, uh, what is it? Uh, no, 11.8, uh, excuse me, 60 points per game, 22 rebounds a game, 11.8 assists per game, 4.2 steals. Let me give you guys the Lakers' big three trio. First of all, let me tell you the names of this big three. Kobe Bryant, Paul Gasol, and Lamar Odom. Uh, excuse me, for the people in the back. Which one of those players out of that top three made a top 75 team? You let me know, please. That was Kobe Bryant. And who else? Who? You said what? You said Derek Fisher. 
Sasha Vujicic, was it Lamar Odom or was it Paul Gasol? Who was it? Who was it? Let me know. Who was it? Was it Jordan Farmer? Was it Andrew Bynum? Oh, that's right. Andrew Bynum didn't play. He didn't play. Let me give you that trio's numbers. That trio scored 53.9 points per game, 23.9 rebounds per game, 11.2 assists, and 3.5 steals. And oh, by the way, those 3.5 steals that you saw, Kobe was getting 2.7 of them. And they won six games in that series. So how come LeBron couldn't win more than five? They won, I mean, they went, that series went six games. How LeBron, how come LeBron's team that had more scores couldn't do better than that? Because they're so woefully undermatched. Let me ask you guys a question. Who was more overmatched? Kobe's 2008 Lakers or LeBron's 2017 Cavs? You helped me make sense of it. Who? It was clearly Kobe's team. So how was Kobe able to do better against a tougher team with three top 75 guys than LeBron did? You helped me figure it out, Kazo. You helped me figure it out. This is this is just one, one other reason I got Kobe in my top three. Don't play with me with this. I, there's no argument. Unless you want to tell me losing don't matter and all that matters is twerking and throwing ones all over the place and knocking people down while you twerk it up, twerk it up all over the place. This is crazy. And you put up a poll and you saw on our channel because we got some jokers out there. Oh, no, son. This is a LeBron hate channel. So whatever is going to work against the, the, the whatever is going to work against the interest of LeBron, they're going to say something about it. Oh, you know you a hater. Meanwhile, 77% of the people on this channel are saying that the Cavs were underdogs. So even they have been fooled. Y'all help me make sense of this. The amount of disinformation out there is staggering. It is staggering. There are fans that would a bold face argue from a losing position, but because they don't have the information, they actually believe they're saying something innovative. Help me understand. Just one? Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. As you guys know, the off-season, we're currently in the off-season, but some various popular shows are going to start to, you know, so going to start to make their return. As you guys know, um, Undisputed is going to be making its return on August 28th, and there's some big news there that they were able to acquire uh, Richard Sherman for about 50 to 100 shows per year. We also heard some news out there that they're looking to acquire uh, Keyshawn Johnson as well to bring him onto the show as a contributor. So there's a lot of things happening in the sports world. Of course, they laid off a litany of people working at ESPN. Now, as you guys know, one of the faces of ESPN is, or one of the younger faces uh, at ESPN is J.J. Reddick. J.J. Reddick came onto the network and he immediately made a splash. He came on there with his podcast, The Old Man and the Three, which is a very, very successful show. So he went on there. And as a matter of fact, before he the, when the news first came out, we we talked about it on our channel and expressed our excitement about having J.J. Reddick be a part of the ESPN um, um, team or whatever it is. So anyway, he's gone there. He's made a lot of waves. He's made a name for himself. He's had some pretty contentious uh, moments with Kendrick Perkins, Stephen A. Smith, Chris Mad Dog Russo, somebody that's quite opinionated, not willing to back down from anyone, is pretty pro player. But 
for the most part, he's quite analytical whenever he's given his views. So that's the, you know, that that's the kind of the background on JJ Reddick. So as you guys know, the most recent cut at ESPN in terms of high profile names was Mark Jackson. Now, Mark Jackson formed the trio of, you know, the NBA games when they covered games with Jeff Van Gundy and Mike Breen. When Jeff Van Gundy was let go of, I think a lot of us were very, very surprised. And then they let go of Mark Jackson, and a lot of us were like, oh my goodness, what's happening here? To the point where even Mike Breen, who covers games with Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy, said he feels like this thing ended too soon, and he wished it could have lasted a little bit longer than Michelle Beadle, who was formerly employed at ESPN, pointed out the fact that ESPN doesn't allow us talent to work together long enough and really marinate to really get to the level that they need to be at. And she 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 compared them to the trio there of Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and Shaquille O'Neal at in, inside the NBA. So we know that's happening. So this morning, I was going through, the, going through the internet, excuse me, and I came across an article from Front Office Sports. And Front Office Sports essentially was covering some comments that J.J. Reddick made about ESPN letting go of Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. So let me get into this article here. It starts off with the headline, ESPN's J.J. Reddick, NBA coverage will be weird without Van Gundy and Jackson. Continues on. Play-by-play man Mike Breen will be without his longtime partners, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, next NBA season after ESPN's layoffs impacted the iconic broadcast duo. ESPN is still trying to figure out who will replace them in the booth as the network's A-team for NBA games with Doris Burke and Doc Rivers considered to be top candidates. J.J. Reddick, the former sharpshooter who joined ESPN as an analyst in 2021, shortly after his NBA retirement, believes next season's NBA broadcast on ESPN and ABC will be, to quote, a little weird. He spoke to front office sports while appearing at a basketball camp in Hamptons organized by the program, a startup looking to revive New York City's youth basketball structure. It's going to be a little bit weird for sure. I felt like Mark Jackson and Jeff and Mike is just is such an iconic team and they've been on the call for so many historic moments at least historic moments in my generation so it's going to be weird reddick told front office sports i think anytime something like this happens we must we we made cuts in march that were sort of off-air talents on the production side i just feel for the people and wish them the best it sucks it's my first time in this world going through uh, this cycle it hurts to see people you work with and care about lose their jobs. Most of them will be uh, fine. And then the article then goes on to discuss one or two other things, uh, you know, that, it, that he was talking about there. So you heard his comments. I think what J.J. Reddick said is what a lot of people feel. It is going to be weird because <laughs> we've, we've grown accustomed to having these gentlemen cover these games for so long. And, a lot, and to be quite honest with you, both of them were memorable in their own ways, including Mike Breen. Mark Jackson is hand down, man down, mama, that's a bad man. This ain't no secret, but that's one bad. Like, Mark Jackson is just iconic. Then, of course, you have Jeff Van Gundy with his classic rants going off about the rules and all of these different things. I mean, how do you get rid of these guys who I believe spoke to a lot of the things that NBA fans thought while watching games. For example, like the flopping. Jeff Van Gundy cannot stand flopping. 
And he would always call out players that flopped. He would always call out the NBA for rewarding players that flopped. He was also one of the few people out there that spoke about how big men were unfairly fouled all the time. And if they didn't sell the foul, they wouldn't get the foul. There's no other sports commentator covering NBA games that have these views. And in my opinion, this is what makes them unique. The same thing with Charles Barkley. He's really the only one that has those type of views in that particular type of way. So whenever you get rid of these type of people, it's going to surprise a lot of people. Now, what's interesting is that this is someone that works with the network. And they're saying this. So I thought uh, J.J. Reddick's take was refreshing. I thought it was honest. And I felt like if he had said anything otherwise, people would have looked at him and I'm like, J.J., what are you talking about? What are you talking about? So to me, I think he's 100% on the money. As you guys heard, they're looking to replace uh, those two gentlemen with Doris Burke who's also very good, and Doc Rivers, who I, who I haven't heard cover an NBA game in maybe 10 years. has been a, Doc Rivers must have the best agent uh, in, in, in the entire business because Doc Rivers is never unemployed for more than 15 minutes, man. He gets fired from this team. I mean, the moment he got fired from the Clippers, you're like, the Philadelphia 76ers are looking for the services of Doc Rivers. And in the minute he gets fired from there, from the Philadelphia 76ers, Doc Rivers is now looking for a job. I'm like, how the hell does he do this so quickly? But hey, Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.